Welcome to Positive Minds Only Podcast. This is your host, Ken Kenneth McKinney, and we back with another episode. Today we got another episode or another story, I should say. Yeah. I know the last one was about when I was 16. This episode, the last story was about August, when I was 16, August 2006. And this story today is about May 2017. It's not a particular date. It's a particular time period. So between May 8th, 2017 to about May 18th or May 20th, something around that time. So the, the reason why this time is so important for me was it was one of those another uh, life-changing moments that happened in my life. And at the time, I, I once again, I didn't realize the impact it had on me and until I was an adult. So well, let's start. What happens May 8th, 2017? I'm a 17-year-old uh, junior in high school. Uh, I'm asleep. I think it's a Sunday. No. It's a Saturday. That Friday, I got sick, so I had, came home from school early, so I still wasn't feeling good that, that next day that I woke up. And the day that I, I mean, when I woke up, it was because of my grandma who woke me up. It was kind of like, 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning and when she woke me up she wanted me to help her with her newspaper route and me being a 17 year old kid at the time I'm like I don't want to do no I don't want to help you with your newspaper route I'm like I'm not getting paid because she would pay my little brother and sister to help her and that was their job so I'm like let them do it and let me continue to rest because once again I wasn't feeling good so one thing led to another, we ended up getting into an argument and fight. Well, I didn't put my hands on it, but she kicked me out. So the day she kicked me out is the day I went to my best friend Leroy's house. And I had stayed there for probably like, like two days. And like I said, he lived right down the street from me, like just two blocks down, not even two blocks down. He was the second block down, probably like seven houses down total. So when that happened, it, my uh, grandma kicked me out. I went to Leroy's house, then that next day, I found out that she had kicked my big brother out, and he went to Miss Betty's house. Now, once again, Miss Betty was in the last story. She was the one who tried to uh, save Bobo after he got shot, so CJ ended up going to live with her. He's already 18 at the time, and me, I'm still 17, so I'm like, well, I'm going to go live with Miss Betty. Once again, well, because she was already a foster parent, and she uh, had an extra room at the time, so when I went went with CJ, basically me and him shared the room, and that was the first time I actually had my own bed for the first time. When I was 17, that was the first time I actually had my own bed, and once he graduated, uh, once it made me, I had my own room for the first time, so that's part that's just down the line, so let me get back to the story, so a week later after I get kicked out from my grandma's house, I'm in school, and I get a call to the office, and they tell me that I, 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 I ran away from my grandma's house. I'm like, that's not true. She kicked me out. Like, why would I run away? Like, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Then what ended up happening, since I was a juvenile and I ran away, they ended up arresting me at school and taking me to uh, Juvie. They took me to the jail, Lake County uh, Jail, Juvie. 
support juvenile detention center. And what was crazy was this whole time that I'm going through this whole situation, I'm thinking of 50 Cent, because 50 Cent was my favorite rapper at the time. So uh, he went to uh, juvenile, like he got arrested at school. So the whole time I'm going through this, I'm thinking of the movie Get Rich and Die Trying. So my mind ain't really, I'm not really mad about it. I'm thinking in my head, this make me look tough. So long story short, well, long story long, because this, I'm just, it's still the part of the same story. I get, end up getting took to juvie. I mean, I get, end up getting took to the jail, a holding cell in the jail. And while I was in that holding cell, it was just me. And I'm like, I'm going to use this time to do push-ups. And I'm not the type to do push-ups, but like I said, once again, I'm thinking 50 cents. I got to get buff while I'm in jail or juvie because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. That's what I'm thinking. So I did my little 10 push-ups. I was tired. I got up from that, uh, waiting for about another uh, hour. And then it took me to the ju- uh, the whole juvenile detention where other people was. And that was the first time that I had ever seen anything of this nature and once again I, in my head I didn't do nothing to be in here with any of these people that's already in here and when I'm coming in they banging on uh, this, the cells they're in and they're like what set you claim that they, that's what they're doing and me like I said I'm, I think I'm 50 cent I think I'm a gangster I'm like yeah I'm white school like what up but once again people was in their cell and I didn't want to be seen like I was just some so, uh, some lame coming in, so nothing happened after that. People did it. Uh, once I got in my cell, what I took the time was I started reading. I'm like, I can't do no more. I'm not about to keep doing push ups. 10 is all I could do at the time. I mean, I could do more, but I mean, I realized uh-uh, I'm not about to be doing the push ups. So, I spent my time like that whole day because I only spent like probably 18 hours total in, in that predicament so I spent that time sleeping and reading so I always loved to read books so books was accessible there so my time I really didn't have a hard time it was just a a situation that did haunt me for a long time because of the jail's clothes I mean with the cell's clothes it was like the metal like it would ring in my ears for years I mean I it took me years for me to like get over hearing the, the, the sound of a jail cell closing. And I made sure I was going back after that. And so the, the next day I went to court and my grandma showed up and she told them, she, uh, she said that I ran away. And I got to talk, I said, I, I told the judge, I'm like, I did not run away, we got into an argument. Uh, and she kicked me out and that was that. They was uh, once that happened, they was like, you can uh, either go back to your grandma house, or, or they was planning on doing shipping me to like a boys home. And before when they was doing the processing, they was processing me out because I told them I'm like, I'm not going back to my grandma house. And I had kind of exposed her at this point because I'm like, she got all these hamsters. Like she make us clean the hamsters, she make us feed the hamsters, she treat the hamsters like her own children. Like I was saying all these things about my grandma because I was pissed out. I was in du- in juvie, like especially not doing something I didn't do. And knowing that Miss Betty only lived two houses down, like she didn't have to call us. I mean, she didn't have to 
report that I was gone, or she didn't have to report that I ran away, because I could have easily went back home. But I felt like she was being petty about calling the police, especially me getting arrested in school. Because if I didn't have the mindset that I had at the time, I could have been super embarrassed about what happened to me. But I wasn't, because I, like I said, I'm thinking 50 Cent. I'm thinking, get rich and not trying. Hey, this is the path that I, I guess I gotta go down. So, then while they're processing me out, uh, something tells me, well, I'm not gonna say something. My spirit tells me, I mentioned this Betty name, because like I said, she was already foster parent, so she was in the system of like the, uh, the Lake County government or whatever it is. So when I mention her, I mean, you know, when I mention her to the guy who's processing me out, I'm like, uh, I don't have to go to a boys' school because this is like my junior year, my senior year. Like, I want to spend my time like at the school that I started with. Like, my, my uh, the lady that I live with, that I went with, she's a foster parent. Her name is Miss Betty. And as soon as I said Miss Betty, he automatically knew who she was. So she was like basically a well-known person in the uh, child protective service uh, system because she adopted a lot of kids. Well, she adopted, but she fostered a lot of kids. So I'm like, why do you mention like that whole time before I just mentioned her name, we'll lose there for like two to three hours just waiting. And I'm thinking in my head like, dang, I don't want to go to no boys school. Like, this is like, my, what am I going to do? Like, what the heck? Like, everything is just processed. And then it said, something that says, say, Miss Betty, said, Miss Miss Betty. When I did that, she, that set up for me to actually go back and live with her legally. So that was like one of the best decisions that I ever made. And that was the first time I really ever spoke up for myself. Because I usually would just be quiet and let things go the way they go. But that time, said, I mean, I, once I was told to speak up, I mean, once my mind uh, told me to say something, well, it feels my spirit, God, my ancestors, guardian angels, higher self, whatever it was, God, universe, whatever it was that told me to mention her name, it saved my life. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't say save, yeah, it did save my life, because if I hadn't went to a boy's room, ain't no telling what type of road I would have went down. You know, telling what type of person I would have became. But when I went back to Miss Betty house, that was still in the same neighborhood. I was still able to go to the same school, still had the same friends. Only thing difference was now I have my own room and she would give me money. Like I was getting allowance, but I didn't travel with her. That was the only difference. When I lived with my grandma, I had to live, like I said, I shared a room with four other siblings and it was only one bed for most of that time so i look at everything as a plus when it when all of this happened like i always had a positive mindset now that i look on it and like i said that after i got out of jail uh i mean juvenile that day because i learned how to say jail i got out of juvenile that day nobody had knew what happened to me so everybody was worried that uh something bad happened but my grandma knew the whole time but she didn't tell nobody what was going on but my siblings like my siblings didn't know miss betty didn't know like she was calling the police to see what happened to me but like i said if i never had mentioned her name then i would have been 
stuck in the system. But I, like I said, I was already in the system from my grandmother adopted me. So I've always been in the foster home uh, system, but that's never stopped me from being me. It never stopped me from getting to where I want to be in life. And I'm not the only person who's been through this situation, but once again, let me bring it back to the story because we're not done yet. And after I get out of juvenile that day, Miss Betty, like, she buys me everything I want. She buys me my first, well, not my first bike, she buys me my second bike. Uh, she buys me a bunch of clothes, a bunch of outfits, a bunch of shoes. So basically, I was getting spoiled uh, with everything I wanted once I uh, actually legally moved in with Miss Betty. And like I said, she gave me my first allowance. And the first time she gave me money was like $50. And to me, as a 17-year-old kid with no job, for no job, no nothing. I'm like, okay, what do I do with this fifty dollars? And I'm thinking, okay, fifty cent. I just got a jail. Let me buy some weed. Let me sell some weed. Let me get some money now. Like I, I feel like I've been initiated into the street life. Like I think this is where I'm headed from this point. Mind you, I'm only 17, I got $50, so I hit up, hit up my classmate, I'm not gonna say his name, but I hit up my classmate and said, hey, I need, I forgot how much I purchased, but it was a nice amount for me to make a profit. So I, I buy that, and next, I end up finding a, a, like a, a pack of weed when I was walking home from school one day. So I'm thinking, oh, this the universe really want me to sell. Like this is really the path that I'm going. Cause not only did I like get a set, I mean get a pack, I found the pack. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be able to make more money than what I expected. So I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a, a drug dealer. I don't know how to sell weed. Nobody, my brothers didn't do that. Like nobody I knew personally so weed so I'm like the first person to try it or try to do something and lo and behold the first sale I try to make so one of my friends called me say hey we got these girls coming over they said they need something and you but basically the only person who got weed so I'm like okay send them over they come over uh they ask me yeah we need a nick so a nick is a five dollar bag of weed I'm not, this is not legal. Now that weed is legal, especially in Nevada, so but I'm not saying anything illegal or I'm not putting people onto the drug game. This is just what I experienced in my lifetime, and I so happen to be 17 at the moment. And so they come over, they come to Miss Betty's house, I get her in the bag of weed, and then she went, up. Oh, I ain't got change. I'm gonna have to come back. Uh, with your money so me once again not thinking I'm like okay they'll be back sure enough they never came back and I'm calling my friend like hey where these checks at that you, you, you sent over and I'm like uh, what happened I'm like well I gave her the weed and she said she'll be back with the money and they just start busting out laughing and I'm like oh this like I got it so after that happened that first time it happened I never tried selling weed again. Like, I never tr tried to sell nothing at that moment. I realized it wasn't for me. And all that weed that I had already had, I just smoked it with me and my friends. So, 
if it's anything out of that <laughs> lesson, don't try to sell drugs. There's other ways to do it. There's other ways to be successful than being a D-boy or... But, but like I said, weed is legal now, so it's okay to get in that lane. As long as you're doing it the legal way. And another thing that, that brought me to was the movie Scarface. And I, I never realized how much Scarface really had an impact on not me, but so many people around me, like hip-hop. Yeah, I never realized how much Scarface... No, I always knew the influence Scarface had on hip-hop, but I never knew the negative impact. I never knew how much pain and how much damage it caused to uh, not only my uh, black people, but a whole other, like, different culture. Scarface was worldwide known. And what Scarface did was it glorified uh, selling drugs. It glorified a fast life. It glorified getting, uh, getting money quick making a lot of money doing what you want to do and me i never scarface was never my favorite movie i thought it was an okay movie but when i would see scarface i will always say man this ain't no life i want to live yes it's cool that he had got the, the nice car but the nice house but everything he did to get there it was like that's not something that i want to experience in my life he lost his his friend like in the first 30 minutes of the movie his friend get killed in, right in front of him. So at that moment, in my head, I'm like, yeah, you can have this. That then, That's not something that I would ever want to put myself to, especially my family. And then not only the, the, the woman that he he ended up marrying, which was his wife, like she didn't even love him. So I'm like, this, this movie is so destructive, yet they made it look so good and they glamorized it so well because it made a lot of people want to sell drugs. It made a lot of people want to get in the streets. It made a lot of people want to do what they seen on movies. And it impacted it. Scarface came out when? Probably 1982, 1983. And then the crack area hit right after that. So everybody was trying to be like the next Scarface. No one, like, it don't end well. Anytime you quit to do something, anytime there's quick money in it, or you feel like, uh, yeah, this gonna, I'm gonna do this and then get out, it never works like that. Especially when there's something negative attached to it. You destroying people's lives, not just people's lives, but generations. Like, that's karma that gotta be repaid. And it may not come when you think it's gonna come over you, you may, you may not even experience that karma this lifetime. That karma can come back to you in the next lifetime. So I realize if you wanna do things, do it the right way, do it the legal way. There's plenty of ways to, to make money. If, if you was a drug dealer, they got drug dealers in the pharmaceutical industry. That's a whole industry, drug industry. If you wanna do things that way, you, like I say, you can get in the medical marijuana field. You can get into the recreational marijuana field, but do things the right way. Do things the legal way, because when things are quick, when the money comes quick, it leaves quick. Nothing lasts when it goes, I mean, when it comes fast. So I always had that in my mind with, with my whole journey and with my business and itself, my podcast. I always know to 
this journey may not last. I mean, I mean, I just actually lost my. Anyways, this story was truly about doing the right thing and don't let other people be in your influence. Don't let a rapper be your influence. Not to say 50 Cent is a bad person. I'm pretty sure he's a great guy, but he influenced a lot of people in a negative way. Me almost. Because like I said, when I went to Juvie, I'm like, oh yes, I get to be like 50 Cent. I get to tell my own voice stories that probably I didn't ever even have, but that wasn't the case. I've always been like a complete honest person. When it came to at least my story, well, I'm an honest person overall, but uh, the fast life may seem, the fast life on the screen is addictive. It may seem like, yes, this is the way out, but it never is. Look at Scarface. He killed his best friend. Not only did he die, but everybody around him basically died. So, you gotta uh, do what you do, but do it in a positive way. That's what it's about. Doing things the positive, the right way. I mean, then again, there is no wrong way because I feel like if people, those drug dealers who experience that life, it's a cause for that. It's a reason they experience that life. Just like it's a reason that the drug user experienced that life. Because no one really truly puts a gun to a person's head and tell them this is what you need to do. It's all about choice. Everything is your choice. It, it's up to you what, what choice you want to make. I realized that day that I never got that $5 from that nick about, nickel bag of weed. I saw, like, I realized this ain't the life that I, I want to I live. Because if I'm taking losses on the first try, then it ain't for me. And I could have actually kept going. I could have kept took that loss and, like, took that as a learning lesson in a negative way and like well that's just part of the game and kept going but that's what was what I was thinking I'm thinking let me enjoy my own stuff I don't need the money I already got money but I need to go make some fast money for money is already like the money is coming the money is gonna always come there is no point in chasing it because the things you chase it will always run I I attract everything I am the law of attraction. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Love you guys. Peace. We out.